Sorry, I got I got stuck. I was writing a, I was writing a message. I forgot welcome. what I was supposed to be doing. I only have two hands, Cliff. I only have two hands. Listen, and you only have one brain, but welcome to a new episode of Stuck at Home with me, Cliff Dorfman, and uh, this guy. Me. Still. Still taking it to the moon with Dogecoin. <laughs> yeah, taking it to the, the moon. moon. Wait, wait, wait. What are we? Oh, we're taking it to the moon. To the moon. We're, uh, we're Dogecoin millionaires. And? And 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 avid uh, movie and TV watchers, and uh, we just we love shows, and we want to we want to we want to tell you about the stuff we love, and uh, we want you to love. Yep, we'll tell you all about the streaming wars, what to stream, and where to stream it. Jason Smith, are you still a Dogecoin millionaire? Um, I'm exactly the same as I was the other day, but I was told not to sell. I held on to all of it, like I, uh, like uh, like Stereo told me to do. So I I, I jumped on Stereo. Mm-hmm. I had a conversation. You know, actually, you know who's really brilliant at that kind of stuff who aaron doe so i i did a, a live stereo with uh <laughs> with vine superstar and uh tiktok, TikTok uh, superstar tiktok superstar aaron doe um mm-hmm. on, on the stereo app and like we got on there and he was giving me like he knew like he had these they said that like the candlestick or whatever and then there's like the the crypto words and like he, t- he tried to explain to me all what i should do um, and like answered a bunch of questions and helped a lot huh. of people. That was really fun. And like we we were on there like an hour and a half, like just spur of the moment. Yes, the, the other morning, like it was like seven thirty. Just got out of bed and was like, "Hey, Aaron. Aaron's like, hey, you want to go do a talk?" And I was like, "Yeah, what do you want to talk about?" I, was like, I don't know. And then yeah, just had like a two hour fun like morning talk. He's a very was smart there. individual, by the way. Yeah, he's super smart, and it was super fun. And, and and all I got, but what I got out of it, and I don't think this is what he meant for me to get out of it. He could tell us in the comments. To the moon. I just take it to the moon. I just hold it forever. I just, I, I, I thought it was lost money anyway. It's still right. imaginary in my brain. It's going to take it to the moon. That's what I got on this last stock I invested in this ATOS, ATOS. It's, uh-huh. uh, they have a new nasal spray for COVID that's being like approved. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, you know, they told me to buy it the other day. They're like, and it's just going up and up. And I'm like, already making money. And they're like, well, you hold it for a year because it's going to go to 50. I'm like, right. great. I got nothing to do anyway. Yeah, yeah it's already got something. <laughs> I put it in here. I thought I lost it. Yeah, I like, forgot about it anyway. <laughs> stocks the way, same way I look at slot machines sometimes. Like, Me I already too. lost that money and they're not really going to be very, whatever happens, I'm going to be very bored watching it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it. not like. Ring, ring, ring. <laughs> Right, either it's going to make me happy for a minute or sad for a minute, and then I'm still not touching the money. So, I, what does it matter? That's exactly it, you know. And speaking of that kind of melancholy, tell me, right? tell me, tell me. Well, I was just thinking, like we were talking about Dickinson, right? We're gonna, uh-huh. you know, gonna get into this, and uh, I'm get always to talk talking about Dickinson. about Dickinson. I know you love it. We've we've, we've talked about this before, like unabashedly. Yes. yes. Like I would tease you. I would honestly tease you if it wasn't such a good show. Right? I'm still gonna tease you about some uh, Gossip Girl. You'll not ever get away <laughs> with liking Gossip Girl with me. Listen, ever. I am openly flying my Gossip Girl flag. I know, and I'm openly flying my Dickinson flag. Dickinson to me <laughs> is <laughs> Dickinson. <laughs> My friend, (laughs) don't openly fly that thing anywhere. I accidentally met Jen Spinell Coffee. Sorry, Jen. I'm sorry for calling you out. I didn't mean to catch it. Um, (laughs) No, but really, I cannot stop. I've watched the second season twice. I watched the first season twice. I mean, listen, Haley Steinfeld is an absolute, you know, treasure and joy. But the amount of work that goes into making that show so fantastic is absolutely mind-boggling to me. I mean, this season, as we were talking to the production designer earlier, like the 
the the the garden, you know, the maze, and how they shot that. You know, what I mean, like all they how they built the house that her uh, her brother lives in. I yeah. mean, I'm just I'm blown away by the entire production, the entire well, cast and crew. It's absolutely- well, that's the thing I was kind of talking yeah. about. There's like this real interesting balance between light and dark. Like, and when I say like melancholy, like kind of sadness and happiness, and like brightness and darkness, and and, and the way the costumes work and everything else. It's just it's just there. There's something about the way it's done. I just really appreciate. And um, well, yeah, it's a conscious effort though, because if you like, if you're a Dickinson purist, you know, um, it's like she had a white dress. You know, it's like pure Dickinson. Pure Dickinson. And it's on the, I mean, listen, we're juvenile. We can't help it. Just because we like uh, haughty, uh, esoteric, you know, and interesting shows about women poets in the uh, 19th century, 10 years before the Civil War, we also like to make jokes about the title. Yeah. (laughs) But now, what was I going to say? Because that was a good joke. No, you're just talking about, um, (laughs) sorry. You're just talking about, um, like just these moments that are pure, like yeah. So, so the purist, yeah, <laughs> the Dickinson purist, they, you know, it's like she wore a white dress. It's on display in her bedroom on a mannequin. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's a and and then what Elena and John Dunn and now Jennifer have done is bring this almost like psychedelic color into it, like that big red. I mean, we're going to talk to Jen about yeah. all of it, but yeah, uh, you yeah. know, you should do talk to me about dresses. I'm, yeah, let's do that. I'm the expert. Hey, what do you want to know? I like. Hey, what did you I'm, think about I'm, the cut? I'm, I'm for them. <laughs> yeah, four dresses. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay, let's just call it what it is. So, so wait, without any further, we should just get into this, right? Yes, because, I mean, she, she's here. And, she's here. like, why am I talking to you anymore about costumes? That's what I'm saying. Okay, fine. So, without, without any further ado. You guys know how to dress? This is the same shirt I wore last episode, guys. And it's true. Come on. Call Come yourself on. out, though. That's good. I, I put on my chrome hearts for this, so Jen couldn't really rip on me. Without any further ado, the costume designer for Dickinson on Apple TV Plus, ladies and gentlemen, Jennifer Muller. Yeah. Wait, am I alone? <laughs> I'm just sitting here alone. Ah, Jen, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. So nice to be here. So nice to have you here and welcome to the show. Are you in Los Angeles? No, I'm in New York. Ah, okay. How's the, how's the snow? How's the blizzard? It's, it's, there's a lot, there's a lot of snow. A lot of snow. My mom and snow, Two days at home with my kids. <laughs> How's that going? You know, well, I'm trying to do season three. It's it's you know, it's a lot. But at this point, I'm very used to being home with my kids because it's been a year of being home with my kids. Right, but now you're stuck in the home now with stuck. the yeah, snow. And I thought I escaped, right? And I was back at work, and then the snow came. Wait, so are you filming on season three? Or are you I getting like a Dickinson poem, by the way? <laughs> I was at home with my kids, planning to film, and then the snow came, and I died. <laughs> but it, and then the snow came would be a line for sure. Wait, so are you? Were you prepping or what were you doing? We're in prep. We're in prep. Ooh, this is exciting. So season yeah. three well, is I'm being written. To, I, I'm so deep in it. I've got to try to put my season two hat on here. No, that's okay. We could talk about season three. No, no, I'm not allowed to talk about season three. <laughs> that's why I want to. <laughs> <laughs> so you know I'm obsessed, right? I don't know if you know, but now you know. I'm learning. I'm learning. Yeah. I'm seeing. It's great. Everybody yeah. should be. So I'm congr- yeah, well, okay, so congratulations on everything. That's first of all. Second of all, um, I, I want to start out earlier, right? So so this is what I'd like to do with, with my guests, especially in craft, is how does this start for you? Like, did you always know you wanted to be in costume design or wardrobe or, you well, know, did you go to school for it? Like, where, where's your beginning? Okay. Uh, no, I, I, I sort of, it sort of happened by accident, I think. Um, I, I studied art. Mm-hmm. Uh, undergrad, I was a painter and a sculptor. Um, and I sort of happened upon the costume shop. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I grew up sewing. I had two like mad crafty grandmothers who taught me how to do that kind of stuff. And I took a 
class and a job and sewing in the in the costume shop just to because it was better than working in the cafeteria, right? <laughs> um, pay a little more. Um, and then I sort of just they one day they said, "Do you want to try designing something?" And I thought, "Okay, I'll try it." Because um, yeah, you already and, draw. Yeah, yeah. It was. It's all very related, you know. And, and honestly, I found being a the studio uh, quite lonely. And what I enjoyed about theater was this community that you're in, you know, on each production, there are all these different designers that you get to collaborate with and writers. And, and I, and I enjoyed that. I, I found it, you know, I found being in the studio very lonely. Mm. So I think, and so I sort of then started doing that. And I, I met this amazing designer uh, who was a, a teacher um, that I had, and, and he was a set and costume designer from the Republic of Georgia. And mm. he hired me after school to be, uh, his name is Georgi Alexei Meshkishvili. And he hired me to help him with opera, do operas, sets and costumes for operas all over the world at the Met and the Bolshoi and in Paris. And so I did that um, after. Um, See, this is why I asked these questions, because it's (laughs) going to come into play in season two when we go to the opera house. Exactly. exactly. Please continue. Um, And then at some point I I decided I wanted to, you know, I I decided I should do this. Um, Mm -hmm. I should try to do this. I I, I should (laughs) say I was also paralegal for a little bit trying to say that. I did it for done everything. Um, and then uh, I decided to go to uh, an MFA program. And that is where I met Elena. Oh, you met, where was this? What school? At the Yale School of Drama. Oh, shit. <laughs> so you know Elena from Yale School of Drama. That's right. how we were, deep the roots are. We go. were classmates and friends. And friends. Wow. You see, but this is, I always say this relationships and talent right. combined, it's everything. You know, it's, so, okay. So oh, this is, I, I absolutely love this. I'm so glad you told me this. So, so you're both at Yale school of drama, you meet, you develop a friendship and you go out into the world, right? Well, it's, it's, it doesn't really, it's not, not exactly. Um, Please tell so me. We, we the, the playwrights take design classes in their first year. And since we were in the same class, she was in some of my design classes. Um, and so we, I kind of, she always said interesting things and she was very funny. So I, I always sort of liked her. But we didn't really ever hang out. We were so busy. Nobody hung out. Uh, the other the other people, they go to the bars. They do, I mean, I, we, we just, the designers are just working all the time. But, I, you know, there's this little theater in the design building. It's a very small little sort of theater that they would put on very like, sort of low budget productions of some of the playwrights' plays. Um, and especially first year you would do it, your first year you would do it in this little space. Um, and I remember sort of procrastinating, I think, working and I walked by the theater and I saw that they were doing one of those performances coming up and, um, and it was Elena's play. And I thought, oh, I like her. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll check it out. Original play. Yeah. yeah, Yes. It was was one of her first plays in in her first year. And it's like a little theater. There's a couple of lights, a couple of pieces of furniture. It's very sort of low tech. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) and I sat down and I had no idea what to expect. And it was this amazing it was this crazy play about oh. it was called saturnalia in poughkeepsie <laughs> okay so this about, has always been going on in her head please continue it's about uh, Fantastic. A sort of a bookshop small dusty bookshop in poughkeepsie and there's a, a young woman who's this sort of shopkeeper mm-hmm. and i can't remember if she like walks through the door it's all kind of fuzzy or she just pops up <laughs> or appears from nowhere but anna green gables mm. appears in this bookshop <laughs> and I, I don't remember all the details. There's a lot that went on. They make out there. You know, it was, it was a lot. And I, I just remember it being so funny and so fresh and so new and so different. And I just, I clocked it as I clocked her as being right. somebody that I, I would really like to get to know. 
Um, but again, I, I don't hang out with people. So, right. I, <laughs> so I don't, I didn't, I didn't, we didn't really hang out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I, you know, I designed this play for a different, just set for a different playwright that year, the next year. And uh, I remember Elena coming up to me on the streets of, of New Haven and saying, Jen, I saw that play. This is the first and probably only time that a set will ever make me cry. Oh, wow. So I, I mean, I, I don't, I think she was, I think she gone a little too far maybe, but. Oh, just uh, take the compliment. I, so I, <laughs> we just had this very, we had this mutual respect for each other's work, right? But we didn't really hang out that much. Okay. Um, but then after we graduated, we both ended up in Brooklyn living very close to each other. Um, and that's when the, our friendship really developed and we would hang out and, and, and um, uh, we'd go drinking together and um, talk about oh, theater nice. together. And uh, I feel very fortunate to be one of those people that she would, uh, uh, you know, let me read her plays. And I worked on a couple of her plays. Uh, um, so I, I'm primarily, a, was, I started as a theater designer. Right. Um, uh, and then our friendship just sort of grew. We had a lot of fun together. Um, so being able to do this to work together, you know, at this scale on this material is like a sort of a dream come true for us. We have no time. I mean, that shows through all the work. It pops through the screen. But what I also find, this is why I have to say, I'm not patting myself on the back, I swear. Why I love asking these questions is because I'm a fan, right? So so I get to learn, like, I'm hearing and seeing the seeds of Dickinson in her first play, in the bookstore with the, the woman and Anne Green Gables yeah. making out. I mean, like, you know, I mean, what happens in the pilot of Dickinson? You know, it's, you it's know, so you're... There's definitely some similarities. But, you know, she's... Influences. It's not just, I mean, she she's... She can do anything and everything. This is just, uh, it's, it's interesting because that was the first one and it's very closely tied to Dickinson, but she yes. has all kinds of stuff and it's always new. It's always fresh. It's always wacky. It's always a little bit like, is this a good idea? Is this a bad idea? <laughs> Not sure. But we're going to try. It's risky. But, you know, these are the, these are the reasons to do this. Yes. Exactly. But it also does come out of theater. I think you get the ability to take these risks. Would you, would you say that that does come from theater as opposed so. to if you just entered so. into film and TV? I think so. Um, yeah. So experimental. It, yeah, it can be. Sure. I mean, I think TV's going, going there now. These Now? Days. Yeah, what it used to be, but. Sure. So, so now you are on the first season, so you come on as an assistant, correct, to mm-hmm. John Dunn? Mm-hmm. And how does that go? So does Elena bring you in and say, listen, I know you're designing sets, but I also know you do costumes. Do you, How does this happen? Um, well, John was looking, it was a very busy time uh, mm-hmm. in New York, and John was looking for an assistant. Um, and I think Elena just like threw my name out there. She said, you know, I have this friend. Mm-hmm. Um, she knows, I, I did a lot of uh, period Shakespeare, was sort of my one of my bread and butter coming out of school. Mm-hmm. So I've done a lot of know the period pretty well. And uh, maybe she could be, um, of use. Maybe she could be helpful. <laughs> and then by season two, you're upgraded. Yeah. So this is a big deal. So did she walk you into the office and say like, hey, listen, this is happening. How are we doing season two? Like, or is it you still fighting? For, like, how does this go about? And then what are your ideas as you're moving into season two from the palette that was set in season one? Well, I mean, season one was a great jumping off point. I mean, it was so great. It, <sighs> yes. was, it, was, it was easy to sort of continue from there, um, I think the sort of the, the difference in season two from season one is that we are the characters are growing up a little bit. They're maturing. Uh, they're having they're they're going through problems and having issues that are sort of young adults are having rather than sort of more teens. I think 
Right. Um, and so we're sort of shapes are shifting and the and the um, patterns are shifting. Also, I should say that this is a very uh, transitional period in in fashion, right? We're going through very fast changes. You've got the the hoop skirt, which is introduced in the fifties and just keeps growing and growing and growing. The, the sh- this waist is being compressed. The skirts are getting bigger. It, there's there's a lot. There's a lot happening. Mm-hmm. So we had an opportunity to sort of move with some of these characters like Sue, um, who are a little more cutting edge this season and go into that sort of more of the moment fashion. Whereas before we were sort of grounded a little bit, it's it's Amherst, Massachusetts. It's not particularly avant-garde or fashionable forward. I mean, right. But Sue is very concerned about her salons being avant-garde and fashion forward. She is in in season two. Yeah. So So the dress from New York. That was really fun. Yeah. The dress from New York. Right. So is that something you designed? Uh, That's my question. Do you design everything or are you buying stuff and designing stuff? Um, we don't buy very much because there's not very much out there to buy. We, 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 we get real pieces that we use for reference. You know, we can't, rarely is there a a real piece that the actors can wear Mm -hmm. first 150 years ago and, you know, the things haven't held up so well. And then also people were a very different shape. They were very small, um, yeah, shorter, so right? Shorter, yeah. yeah. So it's it's harder to use those things. But we use them for reference because mm-hmm. I like to always start with what's real right? Um, and then we tweak it from there. Um, speaking of the purists, you know, I, I yeah. always feel like most of our audience, when they look, I think they they see that we're in the 1850s, we're pre-Civil War. They, they see that world. And I feel like they should feel like it's a real world. Whereas I think those who are very much, you know, have studied the period and the clothes, mm-hmm. those purists might look and know that I've taken quite a few liberties. <laughs> okay, but I love it. So so when you're deciding on these liberties, because I think those liberties are a part of what makes the show so fascinating and gives an extra level of, you know, kind of fun and gravitas at the same time. So so what are some of the biggest liberties you, you'd say you took? The show really does give you permission to do that, I, I feel. A hundred percent. What are some of the liberties? This is boring. It's boring stuff. Like, you yeah, know, you say it's boring. Are, are, are it's not very, boring. The shoulders are very dropped. Okay. In the spirit, very low. Right. Which means you can't move very well. Uh-huh. Uh, so, and, and and to the modern eye, you know, it's they, they seem a little far off the shoulder. So we move that seam up so we can get a little more mobility, and mm-hmm. and it's a little more palatable, I think, to the modern eye than having those off the shoulder. The fabrics, I try to be very pretty true to the fabrics, but that gold dress, for example, is oh. a. Um, French lame with real metal threads, and that is not a fabric that was available in the period. But it's scripted right. as this gold glittering gown, and they didn't really things didn't really glitter like glitz. But I wanted it to have that luminescence and that metallic quality. So we searched and searched and searched, and it took a real long time. And everyone was getting very nervous because we hadn't started this dress because these dresses take a hundred hours. Do they a hundred hours? Of, yes, of they take a very power? long for, for yeah for something like that. It takes a really long time, and everyone was getting very nervous because I had not chosen the fabric because I hadn't seen the right one yet. <laughs> it was worth the wait. And then finally, it's like this very expensive, but very beautiful and very perfect French yes. woman walked in the door, and we snatched it up, and we paired it with a, a vintage, real lace, real mm-hmm. vintage lace, and um, we put it on this you know, beautiful woman, and there you go. Yeah. Okay. So you make it like, yeah, sure. We put it on her and there you go. But this is a hundred hours of work trying to find the fabric. And then plus you're dealing with even the smallest things, right? You're dealing with scarves, you're dealing with hats, you're, it's every little accessory, right? And the shoes. And shoes, gloves. The shoes, the shoes, um, yeah. the shoes are, are custom made. They come huh. from um, wow. a company in, in Rome called Pompeii Shoes. Amazing. Um, 
and they sort of, they make amazing period shoes. So they're replicas of period shoes. And yeah, some of the boots her brother was wearing. I mean, yeah, you, yes, yes. I mean, that's the kind uh, of stuff you can't buy that at Macy's. No, I want those. Are you kidding me? I want I want to wear those now. I'm not kidding. I was looking at his wardrobe. I'm like, some of that stuff I'd walk outside with right now. I'm not kidding. And the top hats as well. Those come from uh, from Rome as well. From this company. Really? That, from there. What company? It's called Peroni. They, you know, they. Make I know them. Peroni well. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, believe me, I like fashion. Don't don't kid yourself. I'm very engaged in this conversation. So now, are you plotting this with the you know because we have the production designer on? So mm-hmm. are you guys? Is there no, a football? I know because we we have worked together, Neil, doing theater prior. Previous. To. Yep. Yeah. So Neil and I actually talk a lot more than maybe some costume and set designers do because in theater there's a tradition of very of working together very collaboratively which is I, I am I mean I'm learning I'm very I'm sort of new to, to TV but um, this is actually my first time season two is like my first congratulations and, and good for us too because it's um, really looking amazing so I, I, my understanding is that that doesn't happen as as frequently or as to the extent that but, but we like to talk I like Neil it's <laughs> great talk they like to talk about stuff i'm like hey how about this what do you think about that does this look good in there what do you think is this gonna work right color the couch well but that's what i'm saying so is there a was there a, a palette in a football that you guys kind of passed around that said like okay we're gonna use earth tones in the house and on the couches so yeah, we're gonna do so how absolutely. did that go well i mean initially i think a lot of in some ways that he sort of starts and, and he has his conversations and they talk about it being that sort of teal blue and gold in the in the evergreens right and so I, that so happens gorgeous. and he shows me what he's thinking and you know even with the you know there's a printed fabric uh wallpaper and the set decorator marine and i talked about that a lot in the process of printing and and you know because we do some of that sort of thing and with this what do you think of this fabric and how will it go and then i get those swatches and i put them on and i make sure everything kind of will you know i don't want to put a blue dress in there it'll just fade away i want to put a gold dress in there right. you know reds uh, golds not really a lot of blues. No, not really. Some, some, but, um, but not inside Evergreen. Uh, except, except in in episode three, there's quite a lot of blue. I don't know if you noticed. Oh, I noticed, but that's what I'm trying <laughs> to get you to tell me why that, that, that episode. Well, the episode is about everything being a little off and a little. There's this feeling that things are a little funny. You know, everyone's a little off whack, so they they decide to have the seance to kind of set things right. And I just mm-hmm. wanted to find some way to sort of you know, subconsciously conjure that feeling. So in the church, right. in the beginning episode, if you, if you know carefully, there's a lot of blue happening. Like all the women are wearing these shades of blue, mm. which I think you may or may not clock, but I, I did it so that it felt a little weird and odd. And, um, and then they all go to white for the seance. But As we were building up to the seance. So there, that's what I liked about it because we're starting in church and when we know we're heading towards a seance, or, you know, and, or we didn't know really, I don't think at the church at, at that point. When you look back, because watching it the second time, it's so interesting because it seemed offbeat to me, but now I know why. And I yeah. didn't understand. Okay. Great. It was because it of worked. the blue. It did. <laughs> totally worked. <laughs> <laughs> totally worked. Now, now, how much? Uh, I know Elena is is very involved in all of these steps. Very. From everyone right. I spoke to. Um, right. How about Haley? Yeah, definitely. All all of the actors, all the actors. Really? We have a really uh, great and collaborative group. I, I don't know. I, I feel. I feel it's. I mean, I have ideas. I have you know feelings about stuff. I have some degree of ego, I guess, in it. But at the end of the day, I I want them to feel like they're dressed. Correctly, I want them to feel that what they what they look like is right because mm-hmm. I feel like that's important for their for their craft for their art, right? right. Uh, I mean, I can, sometimes you want to feel uncomfortable, right? So that's a but that's like a whole separate 
thing. So, but I, I ask them, you know, it's, it's hard because this is not like a contemporary show where I have a rack of clothes and we just play around. You know, we have to, we make these clothes. It takes a very long time to make them. There are many, many people involved, dyers, you know, milliners who do the hats. Um, drape, uh, tailors. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of people and it takes a lot of time. So we can't just like throw them around, you know. Um, but we look at the fabrics together. Um, Haley and I at the beginning of the season had to sort of sit down and we, we looked at some research, um, both sort of contemporary things for tone and also some real clothes. Um, we looked at um, fabrics together and we sort of plotted it out and, and, and made a plan and, um, I think things changed as you, you went. It wasn't it wasn't right. set in stone, but it was like sort of a, a roadmap of what we might do for this season. And then we sort of took it from there. And is that what you're now doing on working on prep yeah. in the third season? Is she involved in, in, in involved, the same way? We're, we're pr- pretty early in, okay. in, in it. So right now I'm just I'm collecting, collecting things like a little running around like a squirrel, <laughs> collecting <laughs> bits of crumbling trim and fabrics yeah. and but they, they, you know, what they've set up with the printing press and the barn, et cetera, you know, that we're moving toward this civil war, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. well, obviously, but it feels like, you know, can, can you tell us, are we going to be in that time frame when we enter season three? Tell you. <laughs> See, <laughs> you can't stop me from asking, though. I'm just dying to know. I don't care if Elena gets mad. I really want to know. My lips are sealed. Okay, fine. But you're already gathering fabric. You're already doing well, crap. At the end of the day, there's only so many fabrics. That That's one of the hardest parts is the fabric, mm-hmm. to be truthful. And there's only so many fabrics that are really appropriate to our needs. And so we kind of run around and we, especially now with COVID, I'm so afraid things are going to lock down. I'm just running around town, grabbing whatever I can. And hoping it lands somewhere on somebody. Right. Uh, so, but you have ideas now as you're moving forward. I mean, we're not going to see. Yeah, we have some scripts and we have some ideas. Yeah. Right. We're not seeing like drastic changes. We're still going to see the same. What about death? Who knows? I mean, come on. Gonna, who knows what's going to happen? Could be anything. This is the latest see, Could be anything. You act like, oh, this is my first time in TV. I don't know. And then you're like, you're like an old, like a CIA, like covert operative in front of a Senate oversight committee on intelligence. You're like, I don't know if I was in Cuba at that time. Battery is not going to get you anything more. Either. <laughs> see, it's not working, Jason. This is not helping me. <laughs> Okay, so first of all, we're going to have to talk offline because I want some of those Peroni hats. You're going to have to tell me how to buy them. <laughs> Second of all, um, all right, so you can't talk about season three with me. That's fine. But you are talking with Neil right now, right? Yeah, you, Neil's yeah, back, I'm sure. assuming, right? Absolutely. Yep. And you guys are plotting a new, or whatever it is, color scheme for this as we move forward. So my last question yeah. for you. Tell me mm-hmm. about Death and the carriage and the costumes he's wearing. Just a, just a little, for not in the new season. season. No, 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 oh. for the second season. For I know I'm not going to keep pressing. Well, I mean, death, 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 that carriage look was a look that was established first season. Right. So it's sort of the same. Um, but, but it wasn't the same costumes. Uh, have we seen death so far? In yeah. the second season, yes. We have? Yeah, totally. You can talk about really? it. Really? We have? Yeah. Okay. 100%. I swear. Um, no, I wouldn't trick you. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> I w- we like everyone at Apple Plus. We wouldn't trick anyone. No, no, no. We've definitely seen death. He's Rose in the will not let us do that. We, yeah, Rose will kill us. <laughs> no, he's in the carriage with Poe. That's right. Yeah. I don't know. No. I swear. I'm not messing so around. Yes, it's the same. He's the same. It's the same look. We've it established that, and it's it's the same. Yeah, because yeah, really, why would he change? Well, he may. Someday, but See? not See? yet. I mean, I, I don't know. No, I'm just, I'm just dropping crumbs here. I don't know. Anything. 
I know, you can't really do anything, right? So you have nothing to tell us about season three, but what we can say is that we're looking forward to one. You're already prepping it, and you're on the show. This is where you're home. This is it. For now, until there's another snowstorm and I'm back in my other home. No, I meant your home in Dickinson. <laughs> I meant your home. You're on set, you're home. This is your, these are your people. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's and so by the way. to have these people to collaborate with. Yeah, Jane and all. Amazing. And well, how do you decide on the clothes for the spa? Because, I mean, again, it seems a lot of white, but it, it also popped. I was very confused yeah, I mean, in a great cool. way. The spa honestly is a little is a little made up-y. You know, <laughs> yeah. the spas don't didn't like that really didn't exist. It's it's one of those things where I'm always trying to find a way the sweet spot between the old and the new, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they had these places that you would go for the water cure, but people were basically dressed, you know, and and bathing suits or some bathing costumes were basically clothes. You know, if you think about even in the 1920s, they're still wearing clothes. In, in this period, they're basically wearing like wool suits in the water. It doesn't make sense. It didn't look comfortable. We wanted to find something that felt um, sort of soft and loose and more like a uniform you'd get at Spa Castle. I don't right. know. So um, this is sort of based on, on underwear shapes. Uh, for all the ladies, but um, it's not, it's, that's not necessarily historically accurate. I def- definitely a lot of liberties being taken. At yeah, well, that's what I liked about it. it. It's, it felt interesting and different. It didn't. Yeah, Nick, natural, we use a lot of natural materials. Like it's all linen. It's all made of um, linen. It has that soft. Oh, that was all linen they were wearing? Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. that's really nice. Okay. So all linen in there. Now, let me ask you this. The journalist, and I, I don't know why I'm blanking on his name, the newspaper owner. Campbell. Thank you, Sam. So was there a special idea put behind him because of what he represented in in the show? Well, I mean, I think so. I, I mean, whether it's hokey or not, you know, you think of newspaper guys as wearing those like trench coats. Yeah. Right. And so uh, I had a, a really great assistant who who suggested early on, maybe you should put him in a camel coat that will feel sort oh. of like a nod to those sort of you know trench coats. It's very subtle, I think. But that's that was and then and then also he's sort of like um, his, his colors are sort of a little dark and dangerous, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, um, for sure. A little devilish. Yeah. Um, so we sort of, that was sort of a. Sort well, there's of, a lot of layers to him. That's why I asked because, you know, he was up to so many things from the investment. I'm not going to give any spoilers because I keep, you know, every time we talk about it, I'm convincing anyone just watch it, watch it. It's amazing. So I don't want to give anything away, but there's like four levels of his different deceptions and what's going on. Yeah. So I was, yeah. I was wondering if those are things that you're taking into account as you're designing his specific. Yeah, absolutely. I thought a lot about devil, the devil and the devil imagery, you know, and, and there's this waistcoat that he's wearing in the third episode when he's sitting there eating grapes mm. and, and Emily, finally decides to give him this poem, like give it, giving it up. And he's wearing this vest that's this sort of paisley and it lo- I call it the flames of hell. <laughs> I remember the paisley <laughs> it looks vest. Kind of like hellish. Yeah. Yes. It says hellish is a, you know, 1850s waistcoat. Can yeah, be. Well, but you know, that's what I'm thinking. Snakes and devils and newspaper. So I'm, so, so I, I was onto something then. I was, I was feeling whatever it was. There. Yeah, yep. I, I mean, I, I did. So now, yeah, and I also noticed the wardrobe change for her brother. Uh, Austin. Yeah, for Austin. In what ways did you? Well, I noticed, I, I don't know if it was the vests or if it was the pants and the way they were tapered. I thought the colors changed a little. And I thought it was, you know, a more mature look for him. And, and in his thinking, it felt like it was matching his wardrobe. He was trying yeah, to get accepted exactly. by his dad. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, in the first season, he wears a lot of cutaway coats, which are uh, were a little more popular in the early early part of the century. And so this this season, I've put him in frock coats, which are more like the ones that Mr. Dickinson wears. So you're right; he does grow up and get a more uh, adult feeling silhouette. Yeah, um, you got it all across. See yep. what I'm saying? Like everything you did. Fun. I mean, he's Austin. He's sort of kooky. He gets dressed up for the cattle show and. Um, Oh, the cattle show I loved. Okay, well, I know I have to let you go. I can't keep you anymore, but this has been so eye-opening and enlightening, and please come back. And and thank you, by the way, for your artistry and for all the fun you've given me and joy you've given me in watching this show. Uh, Dickinson, season two, Apple TV Plus, right? Anything? Uh, am I getting it all? Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to have you. Jennifer Moeller, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much, Jen. Yeah. <laughs> That was great. Yes. She, I, you well, see, there's so much interesting stuff. It's like every thought about the character. It's not like these things just get written and then, you know, you're just, oh, and then put some stuff on them. It's, you know, this is a very deep, deep process. I mean, for real, like it's very thoughtful and it's, it's, it's always what amazes me and stuff. It always, it's always why sometimes it's, it's why sometimes I think like, I am glad that these are like, there are people that think this way, you know? Yeah. And, we need you know, them. because I don't and but no but not knowing it mm-hmm. doesn't mean you don't get it like you don't feel it in the in the in the actual end product right like yes not knowing that's all the stuff there but if it wasn't there you would kind of notice it too like it's it's that depth of research that allows the authenticity to post through even if you don't understand the dual meanings or the metaphor behind it um yes. the, the the strength of it that moves you kind of subconsciously and that's what's really cool about this because somebody has to think about how it affects the subconscious yes. in a way that most people aren't capable of doing and it, it's super impressive amen and it's like when they're doing their job at this level it's like you don't notice how well they're doing their job that's why yeah. like having these conversations she's like oh it's boring it's like no it's not this is no. fantastic like now i know i can i want my fedora from peroni Right, like, you know, it's like just, just there. I'm very satisfied, but you're also not, I just, real quick before we go any further, you don't get a fedora. You're not a fedora guy. Well, I just want to make sure pork, it's clear. I'm not a pork rose. Guy, so what do I do, Rose? <laughs> Someone do help. not let this happen to me. If I have to deal with Cliff and a fedora for the next six months, I swear to God, season three of Dickinson, I will be on that set every day, picketing. Peroni, if you're listening, I want hats. <laughs> Can I put it? You know what else? I think? Well, no, they don't make fedoras for anything else, any other part of the body. Uh, no. But <laughs> listen, what do you got? Nothing. I just I'm waiting. I know. I know you want to do it, so I'm gonna yeah, let you do it. I do want to do it. <laughs> okay. So what you're gonna say if I want to wrap my fedora? Oh, I wasn't gonna say that. <laughs> Who are you gonna say? I was just gonna think that you know it doesn't. It seems boring, but I was actually gonna go pretty pretty straightforward. I thought you set it up very well. You said, "Well, take it." Thinking about it, being you know, being mindful of it. Sometimes people be boring, but it's like that depth, that inner depth, that inner softness. The the guy behind the guy. Look, you can have a great you know, Waka Flocka can have a great <laughs> outfit, yeah. Mister Flame, uh-huh. but if He's not underneath. comfortable underneath. Like he's not going to, you know, he's not going to be able to embody death. By the way, you're absolutely right. And he did look mighty comfy in that carriage. Oh, he did. He's looking comfy. You know why? Why? Oh, I bet he's wearing a full me onesie under that suit. And as soon as <laughs> that scene was over, he fires it off and goes, this was great. I was in period. But now I'm in my new period, the period of softness, the period of safety. <laughs> I'll the be period in the trailer. Of, 
complete and utter being wrapped in the softest. Softest material known, known Mike, to my known to my balls. Micromodal. Micromodal. By the way, right? Beechwood, sustainable beechwood trees. Yeah. Pulp to yarn. That's what they do. They they extract it. They turn it. By the way, you told me they made the the cat scarves. Went mm-hmm. online. This is no joke. They really design stuff. Like it's not a joke. They really like. So I got one for Sylvia, and I'll just I'm gonna wait until it comes, and then I'm gonna actually put her on here and show it to you. I'm excited. Yeah, as opposed to, you know, (laughs) I I swear it's like, it's so weird because, you know, we have paid to do this as we always tell everybody. And yet I spend my money buying their stuff. I really do. Absolutely. And I can't get out of it. I'm wearing it all the time. And it's $19.99 a month for that membership stuff. So get a membership. You get underwear every month. You don't even have to think about it. You're wrapped in comfort your entire day and night. And if you don't like it, they'll just give you your money back. You keep the underwear, free shipping. So it's MeUndies.com, offer code STUCK. They'll give you 15% off. MeUndies.com, offer code STUCK, 15% off. That's it. I got nothing else. What do you, you got, got? Nothing else? No, I got plenty. I just there's so there. much. There's so much to talk about today. There's so much to talk about today. I know. Um, I am. I'm going to do the news real quick. I'll do a little bit of news. Okay. Um, first of all, they have officially, and I don't know why they need to do this because it's not going to come out in movies. They have officially uh, MPAA, and maybe they plan on putting out in the, this out into the movies. Maybe this is an indicator that the HBO Max stuff is actually going both directions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but HBO Max has announced the rating for the new uh, the new old Justice League movie by Zack Snyder, the Snyder Cut. Any guesses on uh, what this DC movie made for children and children of all ages is going to be? PG-13. R. Get out of here. They're uh, really trying to get a different, like, they're really saying, like, this thing must be terrible. If they're going for an R rating, they're really trying to, like, get that, uh, what's the, like, it's salacious yeah. or something. Like, it's not. It's not. There's no reason. What do they got? Three Fs or something in it? Maybe yeah, three, three Fs. Fs. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, that's what we're trying to figure out. More blood. Yeah. <laughs> There's no sex. <laughs> hey, listen. You don't know anything about Zack Snyder then. No, I'm just kidding. No, I saw The Watchmen. You know, the only reason we had sex in there is because Malin Ackerman's so cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, otherwise, there's no sex well, There's, there's the a show. whole bunch of dingus in uh, Watchmen, too, um, at least in the, the cut I saw. Yeah, what actor? what actor's not going to have an 18-foot penis hanging in a, in a, you know, on his blue body? Yeah, you know, fair Like, enough. all right, wrap it up. Go ahead. Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> you prosthetic that shit up, I'm in. You know, it's not like we're looking at Billy Crudup's real junk. No, that's true. Well... I don't know. Hey, look, don't I don't know. know either. By the I way, don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't. I I assume everything I see on, in the movies is real. Uh, you're going to tell me Dirk Diggler was wearing a prosthetic. Um, I Dirk know Diggler. Was. Well, by the I, way, did I you hear our t- the talk on stereo was having last night about Mark Wahlberg and his alphaness? Oh yeah, no, I, uh, I I tried to leave some messages about that. Yeah, I let. <laughs> I let you know exactly how I feel about this. Oh, that stereo. Oh, man, dude. Well, I was saying on stereo on this talk I was having with Susie said, come that my contention is that this guy is such a dude's dude. He's such an alpha guy that most guys, they walk up around him and their dick just just flies yep. back up into their body. <laughs> so that's, funny. That's so all funny I'm saying. Like but this is the kind of stuff that we talk about on stereo. Yeah. It's like this really nice after party yeah, that we a lot go of fun. to. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, but that's that's some news. So yeah, it's gonna be our. I think obviously, I think this is ridiculous. But I also think that this is what part of the reason this is all what it is. They only, Mm -hmm. they only, only, only care about 
the subscribers that they're going to get from like the DC nerds. Like they're not, yes. this is not, um, this is, I'm not being cynical as much as I'm just being like, okay, there's, Factual. there's a group of people who would buy this thing if it was R and they don't care about kids. And right. it doesn't matter if like, there's already a cut for kids. Yes. And that one sucks too. Yeah. But at least it's, <laughs> yeah, at least it only says shit and fuck once. Right. Did they previs the whole thing? I mean, uh, is that what Zack Snyder uh, did? Well, well, Zach, yeah, I'm sure. Well, I mean, he, I mean, he pretty much, the, the first three minutes, five minutes of his movies are always like the, the real, the better story previs. Yeah. <laughs> but amen to that. You're not wrong. And, and listen, I, I think, Jason, I'd love to disagree with you just to have some conflict, but I, I agree with everything you're saying. I think it is like, hey, we're targeting this for subscriptions on the streamer to a group of uh, older nerds, let's say, like myself, who, you know, oh, it's R-rated? Well, I got to see that, even if Zach sucks. Right. I got to see that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah you know, you're right. It is a, but I think on a deeper level, you are right. It is a sign of the times that we are pushing more towards subscription. We are pushing away from theaters. Yeah, I agree. But what? Which? But that, but there is a thing here. Why? Why would they get it? You don't need to get MPAA certification. But on a on a HBO Max movie, normally, right? Like right, they can just put it out the way they do Game of Thrones. Look, this is what we said. I think we had a whole discussion on this, right, about how I am positive the MPAA is, you know, outdated and is going away. I mean, you know, yeah, they're, they're well, basically like paid censors. They're like well, that's what I mean. Like, what's, studios. What's the, what's the point of this rating? Is it just to get yes. just to get headlines? Yeah. Purely? We're talking about it. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, it must be. Like, why else would you submit it to MPAA? Otherwise, you just go TVMA, that's, like every other fucking thing, right? Yes, that's exactly right. TVMA and we're done. You know, there's no reason. Oh, okay, so now I know as a parent, it's like, oh, do, am I going to let my kid? It's language, it's nudity. Like, you get the L, the N, the SA, you know, or SC, you know, and, and, and that's it. We all figured out how to read them. You know, like, we don't need these ratings. And we certainly don't need these guys who run the MPA. They, to me, they're like a little mafia. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and yeah, I, I have to agree uh, 1,000%. Yeah, yeah I, was just, you, I, I thought that was just an interesting thing. I, it, it is. It's one of those things I most like to confirm with you because it just seems so cynical. It's like, why would that be true? This doesn't make any sense. The only <laughs> thing that makes sense to me seems uh-huh. evil. Like, like less than ethical, maybe not evil. It's not it's MPAA. It's not like they killed a kitten uh, to get it. Maybe, we don't but know. Uh, we, don't, we know. don't know how they're getting them. But we, but it does. Know. It just feels slightly like, oh, that's not. You didn't need to get that done. What you know, like somebody coming in and like, oh yeah, you didn't know my eyebrows. You don't need to get your eyebrows done. I didn't do that. Yeah. yeah, I feel like the MPAA is like uh, you know three months away from a FIFA scandal on sixty minutes. <laughs> you know where they're like, or like the Olympics bribery thing. Like it's like, yeah. the, how has no one investigated the MPAA at this point? They've done a couple. You know, if you did ever watch any of those uh, documentaries, they're yes. Very, it's crazy how secretive they are. It's like, yeah, yeah. Like, <sighs> what are you so secretive about, guys? Ladies? Maybe it's, I want the MPAA somehow to be tangled in with the Mormons and Nexium. Um, you would not surprise me if you told me they were tangled. <laughs> I'd be like, huh, okay. There's Sorry. nothing you're going to tell me if that shit comes to light that I'll be like, oh, I'll be like, what did we say, Jason? What did we say? <laughs> what did we say? Right. Yeah, all right. All right. So, all right. So, so you know what? This is, this is meant, pun included, fuck them. <laughs> all right. Let's... let's all right, so uh, my next one, and I just want to do this short, because um, I hate the. Is you that know, possible? Yeah, well, this one might be. I just I I wanted to get kind of your opinion on it. 
you know, um, and not so much about why he loses. It's like, I, I, I have a different question. So you might, the question that I'm going to ask you is not what you think it's going to be. So wait until I ask it. Um, duly noted. <laughs> so this guy, Morgan Whalen, he's a, a country music singer. All right. He's in trouble and he's gotten suspended from his record contract. They're not playing his radio because he got out of his car the other day um, out of his truck after partying all night with a bunch of people. COVID times in Texas mm-hmm. came out. They were being raucous, honking the horns. The neighbors came out, caught him on their, you know, their outside cameras. And he he was, you know, pushing his friends around. They're just being loud. But then so they record him and, and then he started yelling at his friend. Um, I'm going to say it without the all, all the words, but I'll just use. The, the basic stuff, but basically said um, the N word and was calling one of his friends, the N word and called, you know, Hey, mo- get somebody take care of this motherfucking N word kind of stuff. It was not in a like direct, like he wasn't calling a person that like, at, they were at, like white friends, right? White friends. Yes. Yeah, it's even more of a pussy. Go on. Yeah. So what I don't want to talk about, cause I, cause I think this is what, like the only people that use the word cancel culture at this point are white guys like us. So I don't want to talk about that stuff because everybody else calls it something completely different. I don't yeah, want what to get do they call, Right. Okay, fine. Go. This is not the, that's not the words I want to use, but cause that's not the question I have. This is not the first time he's gotten kind of like in trouble with the media or the, um, or the world. And the other one wasn't like as severe as this, but he's also, he was supposed to be on SNL and he got caught partying in New York and got kicked off. SNL, even though they let him come back, they ended up letting him play later. Like, but he got, he got kicked off that week. And then I think they fulfilled, they filled it in with, uh, I don't know, somebody from New York. I don't remember who they replaced him with, but this was within the last few months. He got, right. he, 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 he fucked around, did this, did this and, and come back. What I have a question for, isn't that is like, how many chances do you like, like, why do some people like this seem to get like more chances? Like if I was SNL after the first time where he parties, like, I got so many people that are waiting for this slot. Every musician in the world wants to be on SNL. Uh, and you could put Kanye would go on every, every season. There's so many people that do it. Why somebody like Morgan Whalen, like would, they would like, is it their manager? What? Like, I've never heard of this dude. I don't know if he's like that kind of famous. He doesn't seem like it is. Cause you know, he'd be, he'd be a little more of a name, but like, why do they give some people so many chances? My, uh, you know, hypothesis is that, he garners a completely different demographic, you know, that does not watch Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Billie Eilish, Kanye, you know, it's all, you know, we're not getting into politics by any means, but it's a, a coastal elites, mm-hmm. the same people who use cancel culture, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you have these red states, for lack of a better term, because again, not talking about Republican and Democrat, I'm talking about America divided. And America Divided artistically is a guy like this, you know, uh, he has a different viewership that would never turn on a bunch of coastal elite, Jewish, mostly, you know, actors and actresses and, uh, you know, comedians. They're like, oh, fuck them. But when this guy's on, all of a sudden their viewership's not only going up, but they might keep a few. And I think that's how they're looking at this. Whereas putting uh, the regular act on, even no matter how many platinum albums they have, it's not garnering anyone new to Saturday Night Live. It's the same people that are watching. So I would imagine if you look at the difference between when Billie Eilish is on there, who's genius, and a, and a, a you know a, a douche like this guy, uh, I would bet you're seeing a, a, a rather interesting spike. 
in the ratings, but not just the spike in the ratings. I think when you're breaking down the analytics, you're seeing people that have never watched the show before. And if they keep a, a, any percentage of those, it's a win. Got it. That, that's just, my it, hypothesis. No, it's, it's just interesting. Like, I, you know, that's, it's a different kind of cynical, but like, it's, it still is like, because I was just wondering, like, do you just get, do some people just have really good agents that can talk people around this kind of stuff? Because um, it feels like, you know, isn't there other opportunities for SNL? Like, there are only two country music stars that move the needle. Like, are there other yeah, people that can? I think you're hitting on it, though. I think you are. It's like, well, if you want those other people, you have to take this guy. Right. And I think you, you do see that, that kind of extortion that goes on, which is another reason I think a lot of these agencies are going to go by the wayside. I think that everyone's kind of fed up with this nonsense. I really do. It's like, how long are we going to let people get away with bad behavior because of uh, a monetary... Look, you want to get away with bad content because of money, that's fine. But bad behavior, at this point, I think everyone's just fed up. They're like, you know what? No, we're not We're not doing this. And your little antics with like telling us we can't have Garth Brooks or the five other people that you handle because mm. uh, if we don't put this, you know, half a jerk off on the on our show, I, I, mm. I think Lauren Michaels along with everyone is, is eventually now just saying, yeah, no. But yes, I do. I think it's a combination of both. Got it. Got it. I just, it's one of those more industry things. It's like, okay. Like I, I've always wondered that, like you'll see these people like, why are you pushing that on me? Yeah. What? Why are you trying to make fetch a thing, you know, dog? <laughs> yeah, it's like they did with Justin Long. <laughs> it's like they just pushed him on us and pushed him on us. Um, yeah, listen, I, I'm 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 saddened that this is still the state we're in. You know, where where it's like this is just so flippantly, you know, said and used and you know, people are partying without masks. Again, you know, let's just get out of this. No one wants to be doing this anymore. As good of the content as might be out there that I can stay home and watch, I'd rather go out. <laughs> I really would. I'd like to go out again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I want to party. I want to party. I like yeah, I mean, the boogie. I yeah, like I mean, the nightlife. Oh, by I like the way, the boogie. I love that song. Get me to the disco. After what was it called? The uh, Love at First Bite, George Hamilton <laughs> and Lauren Bacall. That's where that's where I first heard that song. <laughs> that's awesome. Gloria Gaynor. I just Gloria Gaynor, I didn't, but, yeah. I just I remember it from uh, "So I Married an Axe Murder" with Mike Myers. He, he uses that line on uh, on the, like the girls. I like the boogie. I like the boogie. Yeah. All right. Speaking of getting yeah. out there uh, mm-hmm. and doing something got? different with TV, I, I I know I've already talked to you about this, and we kind of talked about it a little tonight. But I'm ending this because this is I'm gonna die on this uh on this die show. On this hill? Good yeah. I want to talk about uh, Derek Delgadios mm-hmm. in. And of itself. I love it so much. Oh, I love Hulu. it so, so much. Talk about, I looked at this documentary. So why don't you tell everyone what this is called on Hulu? It's called In and of Itself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it up on the screen so you guys Great. can see it too. So Jason uh, calls me up or he texts me because we talk literally all day and night. And it was like 11 o'clock or something. And he's like, have you heard about this? Do you like magic? I'm like, do you not know me? Like we had Justin Williman on. I almost, you know, peed my pants. I'm like, yes, I love, love magic. And I'm like, so what's not to love? And he goes, okay, because the Sklar brothers you know, dumb people town and, you know, they're just amazing. And they recommended this documentary to you, which you've never said to me a word about the Sklar brothers recommending anything. Never. Right. They're not really content guys. At least, you know, they're, they're incredibly funny, incredibly smart, but you know, it's not like, I don't normally get calls from them to watch shows. We, you know, we talk about the stuff they're in and we all kind of love, you know, they love all the great stuff, you know, they probably agree with most of our picks, but we don't really talk about content when we talk. 
Right, and you said the Sklar Brothers recommended this. I said, okay, I'm definitely in. It's magic. It's the Sklar Brothers. You've now hit me up talking about it. And I put this thing on, and I said, okay, this will stop me from sitting outside and listening to uh, Linda Ronstadt's songs and being sad that I don't have a girlfriend. And you're like, yeah, no, go inside and watch this show. So I went inside. I turned this thing on. Was this, Derek, what's his last name? Uh, Delgadio, yeah. Delgadio, I think. Or I Delgadio. can't say Italian names. I'm, 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 I'm West Coaster. We didn't have all these Italian names where I came yeah. from. Delgadio. So Irish, Scottish. Frank Oz, the amazing uh, director. It's Stephen Colbert is an exec producer of this, right? Mm -hmm. And I have never in my life, I've never heard of this guy before this. And it bothers me that I hadn't because how long have I missed out on this genius? And this thing, it's like they say, it's a combat. I've never seen something so original in my life. Uh, I think in the first 10 minutes, I was already tearing up. Uh, By the first 40 minutes, I was deeply ensconced in the emotion of this. I've never met anyone like this. And this guy's life story with his mom and how his dad left. And, you know, I don't want to give anything away. Um, I've never seen anything in my life. This is one of the most original things I have ever seen on television. And I'm not saying that lightly. You know what a dick I am. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, this is this is something that I can't stop. I I, I loved so much. I mean, yes, you know, I, I, I had him in magic and there's very good. He's great with cards and he's very good magician. But it's not like a it's not a David Copperfield series or a David Blaine thing where there's this big piece set piece on anywhere. It's a part of the story. So you like, it hooked me with the magic, but it like, it it like, it got me interested because of the magic, but it hooked me because of the story, the emotional stakes involved in all of it, the, the audience and the way he kind of connected with them. Um, You can see even in that preview that I just showed, if you're watching this on video, uh, the uh, you know, people like Bill Gates watch this, uh, you know, uh, David Wayne, um, like huge, huge, huge A-listers are are, are at the show, watching the show, and being like moguls, magnets, connected. You know. Yeah, um, and it's it's amazing. Uh, well, also Tim, Tim Gunn was just in there, and, but it's yeah, just so affecting, right? It's just affecting, and 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 you think about it, it, it's a very introspective thing. You're hearing somebody else's story, but you're also connecting with your own through it, um, and uh, it's just beautiful. Um, it's not. It wouldn't be what I would normally. I'm a comedy guy. Right. I'm a I'm a comedy guy. I'm a comedy guy and an actor guy. I can watch some dramas, but like this is like a this is like a personal thing. This is almost like I, I hate to use the word. It's yeah, it's it. existential. It's 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 humanist because I'm not a I'm not, you know, I'm not yes. the spiritual kind of guy, but it is. It does really affect your um understanding and recognition of like your responsibility to others. And I think that that's really beautiful about it. It's 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 an awesome documentary. It's not a waste, but but it's also one of those things like put your phone down. Oh, they actually have a, did you see, I I love this. They actually have a note in the beginning that says, please put your phone away and pay complete attention. Like you have to really get absorbed in this. Mm -hmm. It's a rule and it works. It's beautiful. I was all over the place last night. Um, There's a, there's a scene in the middle of it and I won't give anything away where he has some people on the audience come up to, uh, to read some stuff. And um, it is so incredible that like, (laughs) <laughs> I can't really even think about it right now. Like, let's, I almost want to just move past it because I can't think about it because it still tears me up right now. Well, I can talk about a couple of things which are, and it doesn't give anything away. What you're saying is, you know, he does ask one person in the audience to come back tomorrow. And that's mm-hmm. all I'm going to say. And he'll call them Mr. Tomorrow uh, or Mrs. Tomorrow or Mr. Yesterday or Mrs. Yesterday. And this book, and it, here it is, it, it expounds on the idea of I am. He says something that's so interesting, which is this idea of when he was a kid, all they would ask him is, what do you want to be when you grow up? And when he grew up, what they asked, what do you do? And in another way, he's saying who you are is not enough. Right. 
And that right there should give you an idea of the gravitas that is involved in. And this was a stage show that he has filmed over the year or so that it was sold out like every night. So they filmed this for a long time, all these different participants. And uh, it really, it's so much more than a stage show. It's so much more than a one-man show or a monologue or a magic show. It combines all of these things and the rouletista. I mean, this, this you know, story tells about the Russian roulette. And it, so, yes, okay, we can stop talking about it, but it's hard to because I'm still very deeply affected by this show. Everybody watch it. Tell me what you think. Um, send us some notes on, uh, you know, Facebook or Instagram or whatever Please. and tell us what you feel about it. I just think it's a beautiful thing and I want everybody to be able to see it before they, um, this is, a, it's also a perfect like end of quarantine. I mean, and I know we're not at the end, but we're, we're, we're seeing close. the light. We're seeing the, the, we're actually finally seeing the, the light out there. It's a good thing to, I think it's a good thing to see now as you kind of are starting to walk out again. Um, it's, it's, it's an, it's interesting in that way. Yeah, I, I agreed. And uh, we can't recommend it highly enough. And please do watch it and let us know. Get in touch with us as you always do. And, you know, we could even do a talk on it on stereo. It's kind of a, an after hours thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and let's see. Well, the only other thing I have um, mm -hmm. news wise, Tell me. Tell me. Uh, since we only have a couple minutes, okay. is um, uh, that, that somebody changed the Hollywood sign to Holly Boob. Again, we got it was Holly Weed. And yeah, now it's Holly Boob. Holly Boob. It was an influencer named Julia Rose to protest censorship of her uh, Instagram account, uh, or censorship. She said, but it was her way of like uh, getting uh, getting followers. So she ended up with like I think she got follow five million followers. But she uh, she changed the 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 Hollywood sign to Holly Boob and got arrested. Yeah. And here's my problem with this 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 uh, particular prank. I don't go outside anymore. I don't fucking care. Well, Who cares about Hollywood about when everybody's inside? That's stupid. It's not that you stupid. You change Coke and I don't give a shit. Yeah. How do you get all those followers? Because you took a picture. I could take a picture of like, I could make it what I could make a Holly, you know, whatever. Anything you want. Yeah. Right, because, but she didn't Photoshop. She went out and did it. Yeah. I could, I could make a Holly Jolly butthole, but it doesn't matter because nobody'd see it. But she really did do it. I just, I'm just saying, does it really matter? Do we, can we pull pranks anymore? Because does it, does it matter if, if a, if a Holly Tree boob falls, falls in the yeah. woods and nobody's <laughs> around to actually see it, does Instagram count? <laughs> and, and by the way, they did arrest her. They did arrest her. All right. Good. Good. You can't break the law. Don't break the these law. Kids off just my lawn. Hair. Dude. <laughs> I enjoyed, I, 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 again, I think you, um, I, we're going to wrap it up, but I just want to say that that interview was really interesting. I'm so grateful to have, uh, have these kind of conversations and listen to you talk with people like that. And, uh, as am um, I grateful to be here and be given this opportunity to do this. And really, I, I say it a lot, but it really is true. It's like, I can't believe we get to do this for a living and yep. a really shout out to Apple plus, uh, for all the love they show us and support. And if you're not watching Dickinson, you can binge the entire first two seasons. They're already on to the third. So Dickinson on Apple plus and until next time, right? We're going to wrap this, right? Jace? Yep. Okay, stay safe, stay sane, stay strong. Jason Smith. Cliff Dorfman. Jason,